Well, it is great to be in church today. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. It is great to be with family today. That's what we are as brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, before we get into the word, I do want to take a moment and uh, thank my wife of 30 years. Yes, y'all were wondering how we've been married that long, getting married at the age of five, but we have been married for 30 years. And my wonderful daughter, who is just putting her head down right now, uh, better looking than both of us and much smarter than both of us combined, but uh, she's everything to us. And I have uh, an uncle with me today, Mark, and I have my mom, my dad, my brother, my nephew. Uh, yeah, you'll know Brandon pretty quickly, but um, it is great to have them. And before you say, oh, that's wonderful that they would come all the way from Richmond to support their son, don't give them that much credit. They came today to see their favorite pastor. So... And then we even have one of my church members, Sister Roberta, back there. We're in Manassas, Virginia, so for her to come all the way down here to support me, but don't give her that much credit either. She moved down here a few months ago. So, <laughs> But it's great to uh, have them here. It's great to be here. And uh, for your pastor, my pastor, we still call him our pastor, and uh, I've been around many pastors over the last 25 to 30 years. And some pastors are good at preaching, some pastors are good at teaching, some pastors are good at the one-on-one. And I just want to tell y'all, here at Pulaski, y'all are very blessed because uh, I've not seen a better, well-rounded pastor in administration, preaching, teaching, the one-on-one, being a complete pastor that you can look to than that man right there. He has been a friend and an encourager, um, just a blessing to us, and I know that he has been to you all as well, so uh, thank you. Uh, You'll get many more of those today, but thank you for the invite, but also thank you for all that you've done for my family and for me. Uh, I'll just share with you real quick, and then we'll get into the Word. Uh, He has been gone for over five years from ministry with us, but I can almost guarantee on a weekly basis... Uh, on average, I get a phone call, and he's just seeing how I'm doing, checking in, making sure everything is all right, giving me wisdom and encouragement, and uh, it is greatly appreciated. So we're going to go ahead. I know I'm on a time clock, and I've been threatened several times. Uh, so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 uh, this morning. If you want to turn there, I'll give everybody a second. The Word of God says, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you extend your right hand in this direction. Lord, I pray for your anointing, that anointing that we've already experienced this morning, and I ask that you would guide my words, Lord God. Let me not get into opinion or what I think, but thus saith the Lord today. Hide me behind your cross, Lord, and allow the word that comes forward to be a blessing, not only to the pastor, but to this congregation today, in Jesus' name, amen. So if I had a title this morning, it would be, Give Thanks or Appreciation to God and the Man of God, for one provides us victory and the other is appointed to lead us to it. As I pondered and prayed about what the Lord would have me preach today, I found it hard to focus on one word or a certain passage uh, 
Over the past few weeks, I thought I'd found the perfect message to describe and appreciate your pastor and mine as well, but nothing quite came together. I laid out many outlines as the Spirit led, but nothing just set right with me. And yet I knew for every kind word I would say about him, I was going to probably get about a dollar from him. So I knew I had to figure out something great, and I had to put my belief behind it. Uh, I had to press on until I got direction and received a word that would recognize all the great things about him, but also exalt and show appreciation to the one who gives us the victory, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2 and 2, for nothing else truly matters except Christ and him crucified. For that's what provided for the success we have now and the eternal triumph we receive when we see the Lord face to face. Know today that victory is an underlying theme throughout the word of God. Though the accounts of history of this world and mankind are filled with strife, they're filled with battles, they're filled with struggles, they're filled with hardships, we see the fact that there was a victory won at Calvary and that we have obtained and inherited. When we accepted Christ as our Savior, sin and separation could have brought defeat to everyone, yet the love of God had for each of us, and it called us to that sacrifice that Jesus made, and it allows everyone to go from being a child of wrath to a child of God. We were supposed to inherit judgment. We were supposed to inherit separation, but yet because of Jesus Christ and the price he paid at Calvary, because he laid his life down in place of you and me, we've got victory today. Uh, it's because of that that uh, defeat has been replaced with deliverance, and we could have been crushed, but now we have been accomplished. We could have been overtaken, but now we have overhauled. We could have been conquered, but now we've been crowned. We could have been lost and put into a place where we could have never walked in fellowship. But today we've got grace by God and the sacrifice that was made. We were dejected and to be uh, executed uh, into the wrath that was to come in a future. But now we were on a winning team for all eternity. It's not just about today. Relationship is not just about what we do with Jesus Christ today. Relationship, if anybody here has had a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife, and you know that things are important in a relationship, there is a connection, there is communication, there are things that have to take place, and it's our job as much as what God has done for us to keep that relationship strong, to keep that fire burning, to keep ourselves walking with him day in and day out. He paid the price, but he's called us to take up the cause today. And notice in the word of God, victory is provided due to so many different things. Moses' willingness to obey. Joshua's trust in his calling. Daniel's faith in the Lord's provision. David's uh, heart to serve. Ezekiel's readiness to yield. Paul's passion to answer and his call and Jesus sacrifice at the cross and his resurrection from the grave because the message is great and the good news of the gospel about a Lord that would come and give his life up so that we could have eternal life is the greatest thing we can share with the world but it would mean absolutely nothing if there wasn't an empty tomb today 
We would be of all people most miserable if Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead. And all of these false religions, all of these doctrines and belief systems out there, the Confucianism, the, 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 the you know, you name it, pick it, choose it, all of these people that have stood up and claimed to be God. But today, if they have passed on, their body is still in the ground. But the Lord and Savior we serve because he was God, 100% God as well as 100% man. He laid his life down. Nobody took it. But he said, I've got the power not only to lay it down, but pick it up again. He becoming the first fruit of the resurrection is why we can trust in him today that he not only paid the price, that he's not only given us eternal life, but he's going to come through on his promise. And know your pastor as a shepherd, as a steward, obeys, trusts, serves, yields, answers, and sacrifices because of his love for God, but also for each and every one of you. Yet these are the attributes all of us need to have in our lives if we want to see victory in our battles and in our hardships. Now understand, our adversary seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will use anything at his disposal to steal your testimony, to kill your faith, and destroy your walk. He goes around as a lion seeking whom he can devour today. But understand, the enemy has always tried to be like God, but he can never be God. He goes about as a roaring lion, but he's not the lion of the tribe of Judah today. For he is the lion of the jungle. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one that we can go to. And it's his name that's above everything. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're blessed today because we have already bowed our knees and called upon him to be our savior. And it's our job to go into the world and convince them of what they're missing out on and what they need to have their lives changed and transformed. Yet the Lord has given leaders, and the Lord has given you a leader who has cast vision and is walking out the plan of God here in Pulaski. And the Lord has called all of you to take steps of faith with him. Victory comes at points in our future, but it's the steps we take that get, the, get us to them. We've got to be active. We've got to be moving. We've got to be accomplishing. We've got to be fulfilling. We've got to be in fellowship. We've got to be in one mind and in one accord to be the body of Christ that he's called us to be in this church and every church around. And if the body of Christ can come together and they can exalt and lift up their leader to lead them in the path of righteousness for the Lord's sake, great things can and will be accomplished at this church. The word tells us about the steps Adam took in the garden with God. The steps Israel walked as they left Egypt and the steps as they entered into Canaan. The steps of David and his mighty men. The steps of John the Baptist by the Jordan River. The steps of Paul as he began his ministry journey. And of course Jesus as he took those steps up to Golgotha but then away from the grave. All these steps culminated into victory and triumph, and yet the steps you and I take today can provide 
the same results. No matter the size of our strides, whether they're small steps of trust or giant leaps of faith, the one constant then and now is our God. He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if Jeremiah talks about an expected end, if it talks about the provision that God makes, if it talks about how he longs to walk with us, and if he's never changed, and if he provided victory to this one, and this one, and this one, know today if you're walking in relationship with God, he wants to provide victory for you as well. And if God is for us, who can stand against us? If the Lord can give victory to Gideon and his men near Mount Gilead, he can give victory to the church in the world that is full of darkness. Know that you are not diminished. Know that you cannot be hindered or stopped. If you have a desire to fulfill God's plan, God will walk with you through every single step of the way. He will move. He will go before you. He will defend behind you. He will have angels that camp around about you. He will get you to where you want to go if you want to accomplish something great for him. If God can deliver millions from Pharaoh, he can deliver you from any enemy or principality that you face. If the Lord can heal the land of Israel, he can not only restore, but he can revive our nation. If he can save Nineveh with a word from an apathetic prophet, he can and will still save souls in an ardent and anointed church today. If the church comes together and wants to see people's lives change, if they'll go out into the highways and byways and do ministry, if we will have a witness and a testimony that we share with the people we come in contact with, if they see the difference that's in us versus what they're dealing with, if they can't understand the peace that passes all understanding today, let them spend some time with church folks and they will understand why we have that. If they want to know about the joy that's unspeakable and full of glory and how we cannot be so overwhelmed by society and the world then they just need to spend some time with the Lord and Savior that we have you see in this verse Paul reminds the Corinthians it's the power of the resurrection that provides victory not just at the end of our lives but all the way through it Jesus Christ walks with us if we're in relationship He speaks to us. How many of you here today have heard the voice of God or heard the Spirit direct and guide you? How many of you speak to the Lord and know that He is a God that hears you? That's what relationship is about. He shows up. He moves. He directs and He works. And it's not just that day we're looking for. We sung about it a little bit this morning. But in 1 Thessalonians, The Lord not one day is going to descend and call the saints home with him. Uh, Some of us may very well go by the grave, but the fact of the matter is we're not just looking to that blessed hope one day. It's about what God can do in us each and every single day that we are called according to his purpose and his plan. And two thoughts I want to point out to you today. The first is that through Christ and his sacrifice, we are triumphant over this world. Paul says sin brings defeat through death, and it's spiritual death that brings judgment. 
Isaiah 59 and 2 says, when it's speaking about this account, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Before we knew the Lord, we were separated. We were lost. We were undone. We were in the mire and knew no way to get out of it. We had no future. We had no purpose. We might have had decent jobs. We might have had good families. But eternally, we had nothing. And our iniquity separated us from ever receiving what God had for us. But don't you know today, God did not make it hard. He didn't put a 12-step program in place for you and I to get saved. He said to simply come and to humble yourselves and know that you were sinners, but that through by faith you would be saved through his grace. Not in yourselves, but it's the gift of God. Not of works or anything that we have. It is simply by him. It's what Romans 6.23 says, when the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. All it takes is a heart to recognize and to turn from him. And God loves us so much. The word says that he loved us while we were yet sinners. When we were enmity to God. He loved us like brothers. He loved us like family. And when we finally submitted to him and allowed the spirit to draw us to the father. He then was able to pour out the blessings. He was able to provide the nearly 250 promises in the New Testament to those that are saved by grace today. You have an anointing upon you. You have a blessing and you have promised for the future. But know today, God wants to pour out some blessings. God wants to do some work. God wants to minister to you because relationship is not just about down the road. It's about every single day that we walk in it. So what we have to understand is this. The blind eyes of the world need to be made to see. And it's the church's commission to bring the miracle through the spirit of the living God. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. It says, in whom the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of them which believe not. The enemy has blinded them. But don't you know, Jesus says, I am the light. He's the light that can break the, the, the darkness. Understand, the enemy wants to steal and kill and diminish. He wants to make us weak. But don't you know, the Lord said, I am the living water today. I am the bread of life today. Whatever your need is, whatever deficiency you have, know that I am more than enough to provide and meet your needs today. And one of the many jobs your pastor has is to preach light, to teach light, and reflect the light to not only a spiritually blind world, but to even those in the church today who no longer see the light clearly or have darkness try to dim the path God has laid out for them. Because we're in church today does not mean we've been perfected yet. Any perfect people here? You're in the wrong building. But there'll probably be an altar call and you can come forward. So, we're not perfected yet. But the good work that Christ has started in us. You know, when we came to him and accepted him as Savior. That good work he started. He will perfect. He will finish it on that day. But know that we are going through a process. 
And we're not always going to be perfect. We're not always going to hit the bullseye. We're not always going to do exactly what God has called us to. We're going to slip and fall because we're human. But understand today that as much as God loved you when he called you, as much as God loved you when he saved you, is how much he loves you right now. God will never love you more than he does in this minute in this church service. When your pastor gets up every day to fulfill his calling, and when he stands behind this sacred desk, he is longing to reflect Jesus and what he said in Luke 4.18. He stated, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel uh, to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Your pastor wears a lot of hats. He has a lot of responsibilities, and these few things are just the start. But it's that last one on that list that reveals the heart of a pastor, of your pastor. For he knows the time is not long-lasting before the Savior's return. But 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 says, Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of or for salvation. His heart's desire. Miracles are great. Who does not like to see miracles here? Who does not like to see a couple come down and be restored? Who does not like to see uh, someone that's been addicted to something in this world be set free? Who doesn't like to hear about testimonies and healings and miracles of God? But I'm going to tell you right now, he would be doing a disservice, but I know what his heart is. Miracles are great, but he wants to know that your hearts are right with the Lord. He wants to know that you are walking in relationship. His desire is to see this body of Christ bring people from out there that are blind, that are hurt, that are broken, that are dejected, and bring them into the house of God so they can be saved and changed, not through what we have, but through what our Lord has, what he has poured out to us, because he never runs out. The well never goes dry. And that's the heart of a true pastor today. And he will tell you, and I share with you, if you have Jesus as a personal Savior, you have victory today over everything you're going through, death, hell, and the grave. Jesus came to make a way. Jesus suffered to provide salvation. Yet Jesus' resurrection is what supplies our victory, the church's victory in this hour. It's that victory that gives us confidence that no wave can capsize, that no fiery dart can pierce, that no sword can cut, that no strong man can defeat, that no enemy can overtake, that no demon can subdue, that no fear can dominate, and no past can hinder. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how many times we've fallen short. Our past never dictates what God can do in our future. If you have a heart today to serve, to come alongside your pastor, and you say, here I am like the prophet. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Whatever I've got, it may be limited. I might not have the talent. I know I don't have the talent 
of Tony. But God didn't call me to lead praise and worship. He blessed y'all's ears today. But God can take whatever I have, and he can magnify it. He can multiply it. And where Tommy might not be able to get up and talk to anybody on his own, with the unctioning of the Holy Ghost, I can speak. And those words that I've been reading, right? We read our word because our word is vital to our relationship. In John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word is God. If you want to know who Jesus Christ is, pick up your Bible more and read a little bit more, and you'll find out all you need to know about a relationship. But he can use what we have. And it may be small, but he can multiply it. He can make it larger. And you don't think you can accomplish a whole lot. Maybe you think your best years are behind you. And I tell my church all the time, did God wake you up today? Then you, your commission ain't done yet. God's got a purpose for you today or he took you home last night. So don't dread it. Don't think you can't walk in it. Know that God has prepared it, and he's looking for somebody in a relationship that's going to fulfill what he's laid out for them. That's what we're called to today. Now, it's about the blood and the resurrection power that provides victory, but it's also about a willingness and a heart to serve. Remember in the Old Testament, as they went back to well, as a young man brought vessels and they would fill it up with oil. And he'd go back and he'd get more vessels and they would fill up with oil. And he'd go back and it kept on and kept on. And then finally, he said, there's no more vessels. And the oil ceased. Church, know today, if you're a vessel and you want the power of the Holy Spirit, if you want the oil to flow, all you got to do is show up in church. All you got to do is have a heart to say, here I am, fill me up, and the oil will never run out. God will fill you to overflow. And there may be somebody here visiting for the first time. That anointing can flow right off of you and right into their hearts. You don't know, but it's only when there's no more vessels that there's no more oil. Know today, God can do as much in this house, week in and week out, as the body will allow him to do. And he'll do exceedingly and abundantly above anything any of you think or ask. He will do the work. So number two, we've looked at the triumph over the world, but now let's look at the victory over our adversary. Psalms 9 and 17 says, The wicked, the sinful, the disobedient will be turned into hell and all the nations or people that forget God. Here's another purpose for your pastor. For he stands steadfast and proclaims the truth of God's word, and he battles for you all. He stands in the gap. He prays. He intercedes. He does the dirty work that most of you don't see. In the spiritual realm, he's standing watch and guard to protect you and calling for the power of God to fall upon your lives. While people worship the adversary through their participation in what the world offers, or when they love their flesh and its desires more than they love God, when their hearts long for the works of carnality and forget the commands of God, they will receive the same punishment as Satan himself. 
Yet God has called this man to be appointed and anointed to stand in the gap and remind people, to remind those that come into the church of the victory they can have through his promise and what he purchased at the cross. I want to tell you today, the gates of hell cannot prevail against this church. No matter what the enemy tries to speak into your spirit, no matter how many demons he has lined up outside the doors, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. I know we're the church of God today, but it's the church of Jesus Christ. It is his and his alone, and we are his workmanship. We are called by his name, and he will not allow us to stand as his church and see defeat and see the enemy come out victorious. That's not what he's going to allow. And there's no weapon formed against us that can prosper. Now make sure you understand that scripture today. The enemy is forming weapons every single time you turn around. Everything's coming at you. The doctor's report, the phone call, the bill in the mail. Those things just get bigger and bigger. Those weapons just look stronger and stronger week in and week out. But no weapon formed can prosper. Whatever he throws at you can't have victory in your life. No fiery dart fired at you can get through any hedge that the Lord puts around you. Nothing he works in to try to bring defeat into your life can stop the name of Christ from bringing victory to you. And there is nothing the enemy can do to overpower God's love for each and every one of you today. He loves you more than you can understand. It's an everlasting love that will never change. He is there for us, and he fights, and he loves, and he defends, and he wants victory in each and every one of our lives. I want to close with this thought. Your pastor is called many things. Some he might not want to hear at times. I've been there, I understand. But he is a preacher. He is a teacher. He's an administrator. He's a prayer warrior. He's an ambassador. He's a counselor. He's an advisor. He's an equipper. He's a leader. He's an evangelist. He's a nurturer. He's a caregiver. He's a worshiper. He's a chaplain. He's a crisis consoler. He's a visionary and he's a shepherd. And if you look at the account in 1 Samuel 17, you're going to see the account of a shepherd. This is the heart of what a pastor is. There's a shepherd named David. And there's a thing that takes place in 1 Samuel 17. David goes into the valley of Elah. And the men of Israel are there on one side and the Philistines are on another. And they have come to a place where the terrain just doesn't allow for a traditional battle. And they send down a champion. And we know the story of Goliath. And David comes. David is bringing food to his brothers. He is nobody special. He is small. He seems insignificant. But David comes. And the word says that when David shows up, he's got food, but he has a shepherd's staff. And David says, what's going on? What's happening? And they give an account. And his brother gets mad at him. And word gets to Saul. And in verse 34, 
Saul says, look, you can't do it. There's too many reasons you can't have victory. There's too many things stopping you. You're too young. And David says, well, listen here, king. Just as the bear and the lion tried to take my lambs, the Lord gave me power to take them both down. And just as he gave me the strength and the victory over those two, know that that Philistine is going to fall the same way. Not because of me, but because of the God that I serve today. But there's something special about this account because if you continue to read, it says that David proved the armor and it didn't fit. And David says, look, I can't fight battles in your armor, king. I can't use your sword, but I'm still going to do what needs to be done. We can't use the ways of every other church. We can't use the programs. None of those things because God didn't call us to do those things. But whatever we are called to, whatever is at our disposal, whatever we know what, how to use, God will take it and use it for victory in our lives. So David, if you read, it says that he goes, he takes his staff, <clears throat> and he takes five smooth stones, and he takes his sling. Now, I'm, I'm no warrior but if I've got to take stones and I've got to take a sling, the best bet would be for me to leave my staff behind so that I can use my hands in case i got to grab another stone. David takes his staff with him down to Goliath. And I want to share something with you. The staff of a shepherd, the bottom third. You know what shepherds would do when they got victory over a bear or a lion? Or God did something miraculous. They carved it into the staff. And so when David stood before the king and he says, look, the lion got taken down. The bear got taken down. And I got some room right here for that Philistine's name to be put on here. Understand in chapter 16, the prophet came to the house of Jesse and he says, hey, bring your boys. And even his own father didn't think anything great could happen to him. Don't you have any more sons? And Jesse said, yeah, I got that, that scrawny runt out in the field. Bring him to me. So he got brought and he was anointed as the next king of Israel. And I guarantee you, somewhere on David's staff, he wrote the promise of the prophet. And so when he went out that day, it wasn't a lack of wisdom that he took his staff. When David walked down there and that giant is screaming at him and telling him he's going to kill him and he's going to feed his body to the birds, David was simply saying, yep, but I see the way God provided here. I see the way God provided here. I see the way God provided here. And you know what? I was anointed to be the next king of Israel. You know what I'm not today? I'm not the king of Israel yet. So I know one fact, that that giant cannot get victory over me today because I will one day fulfill the promise God has made to me. You may be going through hardships. You may be going through trials, but you've got a shepherd that knows the victories that God has prepared. He has seen God come through time and time again. When he prays for you, he's not just praying words. He's praying by faith that the God that doesn't change and makes provision over and over and over again has made provision and he knows he's going to provide it to you and to this church. That's the faith and confidence your shepherd has 
You see, he's been in plenty of battles, so he's not intimidated by any enemy. He's been in the valleys and seen the shadows, so he's not afraid of a little bit of darkness. He's heard an abundance of doctor's reports, but his faith is not hindered by a prognosis. He's walked with people through the mire, so he's not afraid of anybody's dirt. He's walked with them until victory came, and he will still stand by you until your results are the same. And yet Pastor Jones doesn't carry around a staff to validate and verify past victories or times that God moved in a mighty way because he alone has become the staff. His life is a testimony. He's a witness to the grace God has poured out on all of you as well as the house of the Lord known as Pulaski Church of God. And through every hardship, through every difficulty, through every adversary, through every uh, adversity, mishap, hurdle, obstacle, and struggle, or fire, he is the appointed shepherd that's used to be an anointed staff that proclaims God's love and faithfulness that provides your victory. These are just some of the many reasons your pastor deserves your love today, your support tomorrow, your intercession every day, and your fellowship and your appreciation for all the things that he does. Just going to take a moment. Every head bowed. Lord, we know what this day is set aside for, but every day is about you. Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know you in a personal relationship, that doesn't know you as Savior, if there's somebody here whose walk isn't quite as strong as it once was, if there's someone here who has had life step in and had the adversary try to convince them that they're not enough, Lord, take this time, speak to their hearts, spirit, move. There's one here that would take a step and wants prayer today. I will pray with you. I know your pastor will pray with you. This church will pray with you. We're not going to extend this long. I'm going to pray a closing prayer, and then I will just turn it over to Brother Fred Myers. But I would just ask all of you to pray with me because we want to pray for the pastor today. Lord, I thank you for this body. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this man that you have called. Lord, I pray blessings over his life, Lord, as the church agrees together. You said two or three join together in your name, Lord God, that you would move. One mind, one heart, one accord. Lord, that you would be in the midst of it. And Lord, I ask you to bless his steps. I ask you to guide him, direct him. Lord, I ask you to give him vision. I ask you to expound his leadership. Lord, enlarge the borders of this church. Lord, may this body of Christ move in fellowship. Lord, may they support this man that you have appointed in this season. And Lord, may you strengthen him, encourage him to be all the things that he needs to be, Lord God. We thank so much for all that he does. Lord, give him the power and the anointing to continue, Lord God, 
and to do great things in this church and in this community. We claim it all today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.